everybody to a Kingdom Link video. I'm so honored to have Brother Jordan Fry with us for this interview. He is our Indiana District Apostolic Crusaders Youth Secretary. He has a great story about his calling for his ministry. He's gone all over the country, all over the globe, and he is just a great young man. And I wanted to sit down with him to ask him just a few questions on who he is. Uh, Jordan, why don't you kind of just introduce yourself, who you are, and uh, tell us about your story. Uh, I know a lot of people know you from uh, the internet, uh, the apostolic uh, evangelist. Oh, internet. <laughs> so uh, that's a great story. So why don't you just kind of just give a short little Describe who you are. Yeah, well, first, David, thank you so much for having me on, on Kingdom Link. It is an honor to, to be down here in Medora with you. Um, so my name is is Jordan Fry. Um, I guess the first kind of time that I guess my name was ever pushed on the Internet was when the story came out that I had quit my job and um, bought a van. A very, very strange story, <laughs> it would seem to many at first. Um, but I, we'll get into a little bit about why... I took and made that decision, um, but I've, I've felt the call of God in my life since I was I was a young child. Um, my parents have um, little videos of me running around the house thinking I'm preaching. Lord <laughs> only knows what I'm saying, um, but Dad built a little pulpit, all, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but I felt a call of God in my life for for a long time, and it's and even though I'm I'm still a young man, it's been incredible watching um, how God brings things together and how he put a plan together that I couldn't have authored myself and right. I couldn't have authored what he put together on my own accord and it's it's been incredible watching him, him work in my life after I just gave everything over to him and gave him full um, authority to to write my next steps right that's awesome that's awesome so here today we just have a few questions that we wanted to ask you because here at Kingdom Link, we want to bridge the gap. We want to link the gap between the generations uh, older and younger. Yes, sir. And so we just want to ask you about your ministry. So uh, let's go ahead and start off. So what was your initial thought when you felt the call? Uh, speaking of going out and evangelizing, being the evangelist. Yeah. So yeah. what was your first thought? Like, God, why, why did I do this? Well, David, I think the first thing to understand in that is that I... We've already established that I felt a call of God on my life, but I was in a place uh, spiritually and quite literally physically uh, in a place where that calling could not reach its appointment. So I was in a place where even though I felt a calling of God on my life, I felt this emptiness. Like I wasn't where I was supposed to be. I wasn't doing all that I was supposed to right. be doing. And I... No, I was very involved in, in my local church, and I believe you need to be. You, you need right. to be. If you feel a call of God on your life, you need to plug into your local church where right. God's planted you. And under the blessing of my pastor, we uh, started a campus ministry at the university. But I still felt like there was something more that I was supposed to be doing. Right. That I, it literally it felt like I was dying. If that makes sense, like I, there was such a desire to see God move, and, and I felt like I wasn't there. It, it was spiritually right. killing me. Right. So I began to really just seek the Lord on His direction, and He started moving some things in my life. And there's a principle that um, is found in Scripture 
that God will always send restlessness before he sends release. Right. We find in the story of David in the camp that there is a restlessness in the camp before God sends release for him to go and run towards Goliath. Right. So God sent a restlessness to my spirit, and at that point, it was just, it was my opportunity to, to say, okay, God, what is the next step? Right. Whatever it takes, wherever I have to go, whatever I have to do, that was what prompted the whole thing was, was that restlessness, that God sent restlessness and saying, God, whatever it takes, I'm willing to do it. Just show me the next step. And that, right. that was what prompted the, enti- the entire thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. So there was just a hunger inside of you yes, sir. for the ministry. That's awesome. So what did the first step look like? What did that initial yeah. step, the first, like, jump off the ledge, what did that look like Yeah, so there there are a lot of things that, that led up to the jump off the ledge moment. Right. Um, within restlessness, and it, it, it was, there was a trope, a quote by uh, Charles Swindoll, um, Chuck Swindoll, that, that really hit home after this time with me, and, and he, he writes in his book saying it well, that... You come to a moment of divine providence, and in that moment is when you can look back on your life and recognize that God has aligned everything in your life as preparation to fulfill your calling. Right. So it's that moment of divine providence is the moment when you can stand and say, I can I can connect the dots now, right? I can right. see God lining it up and that and once I got there, that was the jump off the ledge moment. But God had um, been speaking some things into my spirit and been affirming some things to me over a few months. And he, um, the scripture says that he will give you the desires of his heart. So he was literally placing desires in my heart and right. that manifested in, I had interest in um, tiny houses, as silly as that sounds, which <laughs> um, manifested into um, even smaller things. And it all culminated in, in a prayer room. And I am counseled with the man of God, and and he said, you know, Jordan, there's not a lot of things that uh, that a long term fast and prayer can't give you clear direction on. Right. So I I found myself in a time of an extended fast and prayer, and in, in a prayer room by myself, there's no one else there, just me. I, I honest to God, I, I felt the Lord speak to my spirit and, and tell me to buy a van. Which sounds absolutely <laughs> sounds absolutely crazy. Okay. And you can imagine the fun conversation I had with my with my parents when I said I, you know, I think God um, wants me to quit my job and buy a van. But that was the the jumping off moment when I realized that everything I've been through in my life right. was preparing me for this. And and that was honestly that jumping off point was when I. I quit my job and, and I bought the van. That's so cool. It's such a step of faith to go out into the unknown. You don't know what's coming next. You know, you have no idea, but God just says, if you'll just take the jump, yeah. I'll provide the rest. And man, you f- we find in um, the Force and Not the Gospels the story of the rich young ruler. And the reason that uh, there's a, there's an opportunity extended to him that is is incredible because we find Jesus saying the words, Pick, take up your cross and follow me. He's literally giving him the opportunity to become a disciple. Right. But what? But we watch him walk away. Why? Because he has great possessions. The Lord said, sell all that you have. Right. So, and that was that was the step of faith. Uh, you know, when I, I, when I told my father 
who was a very pragmatic man, <laughs> I told my father, you know, I feel like I need to quit my job, and I feel like God wants to put me on, on the field. Um, he said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you wait until you have a door open? Why don't you wait till you book something, and then we can take that step? Right. And as much as I respect my father, I, I had to say, you know, I... I truly believe that God is not going to open a door until I take the step of faith. That's awesome. So when I when I quit my job and, and I bought the van, I didn't have anywhere to go. But within two weeks of me posting the video that I had quit my job and bought the van, I had a schedule for a year. That's awesome. And that's the way God works. Is sometimes you he he wants to know when. A lot of times, I know I'm rambling on, I'll say this and let you ask the next question, but <laughs> a lot of times we come to God and say, God, I'll give you my anything. Right. But God doesn't want our anything. God's asking for our everything. That's awesome. And we can't have that next step until we're willing to do that. That's awesome. I love that line. you got to give them your everything. So what are, in, in your time being on the field and going to different places and experiencing different things, what were a few uh, ministerial slash leadership experiences that you had? What did you learn from okay. older ministers, younger ministers, whatever? What were some things that you picked up? I think one of the biggest things that I came to understand getting to, um, I will use the word intimately know a lot of these preachers because um, I know a lot of times the office of an evangelist, you come in, you preach for service, and you move on, right? Mm -hmm. My experience was a little different. I often was at a location for a few weeks at a time, anywhere right. from it, it was as short as one service all the way up to um, I was in Louisiana with Pastor Mayo for three weeks. So I'm, I'm in these ministers' homes for three weeks. I'm, right. I'm with them for three weeks. And um, one of the things that I, that God allowed me to see through this time was what a life of consecration means. Mm. And when, and, and this really hit home for me when, when I came to Anderson under Pastor Luke St. Clair of that a lot we see these ministers in the pulpit and we see you know we see these big names of uh, Pastor Cody Mayo preaching in NYC you know we right. see these big names and we see what happens in the pulpit but as I got to to be in the home of Pastor Mayo for 3 weeks and be with his church family for 3 weeks I got to see that there was a life of consecration behind the man that was in the pulpit right and I got to understand what it takes to be a vessel that God can truly use, a vessel that won't contaminate the word, a vessel that won't contaminate wow. what God's trying to do. But God really opened my eyes that this is more than just reading and taking notes to preach a sermon. It's right. more than just trying to, to pull up people's heartstrings. This is about living a consecrated life and allowing God to speak through you. That's awesome. That's really cool. That's such a neat perspective because, you know, that's a lot of us, We that's all we see is the person behind the pulpit. Yeah. We never get to see who they are as a person and what their daily consecration is, what their daily life is with God. Yes, and so sir. that had to fill you with some kind of passion to see that they're so consistent when they're not in front of the pulpit. Too. It's, it's incredible. You know, uh, it can be easy. I'll, I'll throw this in real quickly. It can be easy as young people uh, who have a call or who desire ministry, let me put it that way, who desire ministry to look right. at these people, um, you know, the, the Cody Mayos, the Pastor Porterfields, the um, Pastor St. Clairs, and um, the Pastor Gill, and to see them preaching conferences and be like, man, God can't ever use me like right. that. But we find um, uh, the story of 
Jeroboam. God promised Jeroboam, he said, I will build you a house like I built David. Right. All he had to do was follow God like David did. And so the message carries on today. If you want to have the anointing that that man of God has, you want to preach like that man of God, you want to be used like he's used, all you have to do is follow God like he does. Right. Pray like he does. Study like he does. Live like he does. Right. The promise isn't just for the men up on the platform. The promise for anyone who will follow after God like those men will. That's awesome. That's awesome. So with doing something so unorthodox, because you don't really hear a lot of people just quitting their jobs and buying a van and going out and yeah. doing what you did, with doing something that was so different, what were what were some challenges that you had to overcome? Man, like you mentioned earlier, it's there's a faith component about it, and this was a this was a lesson that God really had to teach me uh, that I viewed faith as that there was faith. In Hebrews, we read that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Right. And God had to show me that there are two parts to faith. Mm-hmm. There's a faith as a substance, and there's a faith as an evidence. Right. And faith as my substance is, I have enough faith that I'm going to go to church every Sunday. It's, it's the thing that carries me through the normative times of my life. Faith right. as substance is... Is it's uh, enough for me to show up on Wednesday and Sunday, and that's enough for me. But there comes a time and these moments of divine providence, these moments of transition and, and the jumping off point, right. um, is not a moment of faith as substance. It's a moment of faith as evidence. Because I had to learn that even though I had people telling me that, you know, you need to wait. You, you you won't be able to fill a schedule just jumping out there. Right. You need to have some kind of safety net. You are living in a van isn't feasible. Doing this isn't feasible. Draining your draining your bank account and and David, I I did. I went all in. I drained my bank account, my retirement, every penny that I had in my name. I put into that van. Mm. I every penny I had. Wow. And it. I had to come to a point where the only evidence that I needed that this was going to work mm-hmm. was that God told me to do it. That's awesome. So there's a point where you have to realize that, yes, faith carries you as substance, but there are times when it's got to be your evidence, and then right. it continues to carry you as substance, and right. it's, it's, it's this cycle, and and that was something that God really, that was just one of those things that I really had to learn. Right. And it was, you know, it's so, it's so new, and I believe that in the... And the era we are moving into, even though the word stays the same, even mm-hmm. though our covenant stays the same, a lot of our, um, I don't want to say methods, a lot of the applications through social media, through digital mediums like this are new. They're new fields. Right. No one ever heard of a, a multimedia evangelist. But I right. believe that God is going to open doors for that kind of ministry. And right. it, it is going to be new and it's going to be scary at first, but... If we can get the understanding that the only evidence we need is that God is with us, then, mm-hmm. then we'll be okay. That's so cool. So not only were you stepping out uh, by faith by something that you you knew possible, you had seen before evangelists going out and preaching, but you were right. pioneering something new by bringing your the other aspects of your ministry to the table as well. I don't only just preach and you're never going to see me again. I can work in your church. I can do certain things and work with the ministry. And I just think that's super cool and neat that you brought that to the table. Yes, sir. And I'll be honest with you. I didn't go into it 
just trying to get gigs to preach. Right. I, I really felt like like I God wanted to use some of the skills and talents that He blessed me with in design and multimedia and bless these other churches. And it just, when I followed that plan, the doors just kept opening and right. doors opened up to preach. And I, like I mentioned at the beginning of this, you can't author a better story than God can author if you right. let Him write. Right, that's so cool. So, what did you learn from that experience uh, that? would help you in your ministry today? What are some things that you picked up on the road from mm-hmm. other ministers that help you in your everyday life and in your ministry today? Man, I, I learned a lot about the office of a pastor. And like I mentioned, I learned a lot about a life of consecration. Mm-hmm. But what I, I, I truly learned that I think, at least I'm working on applying every day, is I watched these men and their love for people. Mm-hmm. I watched, even while I was there, there were meetings that happened while I was with these men where it was really hard meetings for them to be in. Right. And there was there were people walking out on them. Um, there were things that seemed at the time like it was a betrayal. And I watched these men of God and these pastors just love people through it. And it really opened my eyes to that's that's what this is about. It's about that that consecrated life, but your consecrated life doesn't mean nothing if you can't love people through it. Right. So right. that was something that that God really opened my eyes to. Right. And that's something that we've covered here on Kingdom Link a lot. We sure. had uh, Brother Michael Yarnicek. Mm-hmm. Uh, we interviewed him, and that was his biggest thing. That the young people today, the 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 people that we are trying to reach, uh, especially us being young men, mm-hmm. that's kind of where our passion is for the, right, the people sure. of our age. And it's just that we love them and just yeah. build relationships with them. That's what we covered last on our podcast was relationships. But that's just something that's so needed right now. In a mm-hmm. world that says be whoever you want to be, love whoever you want to love, the one thing that they don't feel like they have is love. Sure. And so that's so cool to see that that is opening up to other people as well because yes, I felt the same thing. So, um, what were what were some things that were uh, like that an older minister gave advice to you? What were some aspects like an older minister just uh, pouring into you and just helping you? Out? What were what were some times that you can remember that? Sure. Um... I think one of the the biggest things that, that stands out to me is um, from my own pastor, um, where I'm now uh, at the Pentecostal Church of Anderson, First Pentecostal Church of Anderson, under Pastor Luke St. Clair. And his advice really was... I'm trying, I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this... Um, That living a consecrated life and seeking the face of God will write a better sermon than you can any day ever. That's awesome. And I think what he really taught me is that in addition to a consecrated life is that you have to seek the Lord. Mm -hmm. That there are, we find promises in scripture 
But when the rhema word comes forth in Scripture, that word that is for that people at that time, something truly divine happens. And what he taught me is that you can spend hours studying, you can spend hours manuscript, and you can write the prettiest sermon right. in the whole world. But if you don't have a rhema word for that church, if you don't have the word for those people at that time, mm -hmm. your pretty sermon is for nothing. Right. So his advice was, was don't study to, and this is where I'm trying to get to, don't study to preach, study to live. Because wow. if you will study to live and you will seek God to know Him, mm -hmm. you're not going to have to worry about stepping behind a pulpit and right. trying to find words to say. But if you will study to live and you will pray to live, God will take care of the rest of it. That's so cool. That I think that's, awesome. that's one of the biggest things that, that stick out to me that He's really taught me. That's awesome. It's so cool to see that through this entire interview, the one thing that seems to be the standard and steady is consecration. And it works. So for the young men that want to learn anything from this to, to get any sort of knowledge, it's that consecration is the foundation for all your ministry. If you're consecrated in prayer and fasting and getting into the Word and getting into your relationship with God, then everything else will come into play. And the question then is, why does consecration work? And so you have to look at it at what is the purpose of consecration? Because right. if you understand the purpose of consecration, you can answer why it works. Right. And the purpose of consecration is to align yourself with God. Because right. when you are in full alignment with God, when you don't have the distractions of the world, when you don't have distractions of compromise, you don't have distractions of different things trying to pull your attention, then when God comes in a gentle whisper and a gentle nudging, you pick up on it. That's all. Because if you're not in a consecrated life and there's so many things trying to vie for your attention, you haven't prayed in a week, you haven't fasted in a month, mm -hmm. when, when you can't find that clarity, but when you are in line with God... And then it is when you are most receptive to his gentle that's speaking awesome. to your spirit. That's so cool. That's, that's a really uh, interesting point there. Uh, so uh, another question that we have is, what do you think is the biggest challenge when it comes to the separation between generations? Uh, speaking of older ministers, older leaders, mm -hmm. as uh, to younger ministers and younger leaders, what do you think sure. is one of the biggest challenges that we face against each other sure um i think uh, i think this uh, message um has has been around longer than than just right in this um generation but i think that the um, proliferation of multimedia channels has made this this particular message more widespread and that message is is sloppy agape right which is you know basically the grace of god um, covers everything to the point where you don't have to stop sinning. Right. Paul said, God forbid, you know, even though we live in the grace of God, should we keep on sinning? God forbid. And I think that, at least what I have seen among a lot of young people and people in my own family is that they have gotten so enwrapped with this sloppy agape movement mm -hmm. that 
they've lost sight of the purpose of covenant and they lost, have lost sight of the purpose of consecration. Right. Because our part of our covenant, the relationship we have with God is a consecrated life. Right. And when these mega churches come speaking to our to our youth, and it, it, I'll give them this, it makes a great one minute clip when Furtick or Jensen, and I listen to those guys sometimes, you know? Right. Um, it makes a great clip when they, when they come on and tell you about how, you know, just come to God as you are. It makes a great clip when they say, you know, God's just going to bless you no matter where you're at. It makes a great one-minute clip for Instagram. Right. Um, but it can be confusing to our young people because they see that, and then they see these people over here who maybe they dress the right part, they, they look like they act the right part, but they know their heart's not in the right place. They've seen them do things that's not in the right heart, and it creates right. confusion. And they say, well, these guys, they, they're just teaching Jesus' love, and these guys over here, all they care about is how long their skirt is and whether or not they go to this place or not. Right. And, and it creates division because we have men of God who are standing raising the banner saying all of you who love the word of God and love the covenant but we have these people saying well you're just a legalistic mess right so it's and getting the message and I know this probably makes more sense in this setting because this is literally what I just preached but <laughs> getting the message to our young people that the covenant does still matter right. that consecration still matters I think is going to be the biggest thing that bridges that gap between our young people and our elders because our elders grew up understanding that it mattered that separation mattered right. that consecration mattered and right. now we've got young people who Constantly, the enemy is whispering into their spirit that that the separation doesn't matter. It just matters if you love God and profess right. God. And getting our young people to understand the importance of separation and of holiness, that I think that's going to be the biggest thing that brings the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because it, it is a challenge because... The older generation, they knew, like you said, they knew how to consecrate. They knew how to give things up yes, sir. no matter what. And it's hard because even though it may not seem that way, Christianity Christianity has become very popular in that well, absolutely. no matter what, God just forgives. You can keep sinning. You can keep doing wrong, and God forgives. Yes, that is true, but that doesn't mean that we can keep sinning. You know, the most interesting point about that is that... Um, while social media wants to make us think that the sloppy agape movement is the fastest growing movement, mm -hmm. that's not what the statistics point to. Right. The statistics point to that oneness Pentecostalism is the fastest growing movement. Right. Period. That's awesome. Among Christianity. Period. I mean, period. It's the sloppy agape. They may have more Instagram followers than we do, but the truth. Will always prevail. That's awesome. The truth will always prevail. I love that. So, we 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 nailed down what is the biggest challenge. So, how do you believe, uh, Brother Jordan? How can we fix that? How can we fix that problem between the generations? Well, I'll tell you this: it's not going to be easy. <laughs> it will not be easy. Um, as old-fashioned as it may sound, it's going to take prayer and fasting. I read. Um, I believe it was um, Ravenhill. I believe it was Leonard Ravenhill that said, the man who prays stops sinning and the sinning man stops praying. Mm -hmm. And it's it's um, not to connotate that as sin, but 
I think that when we return to our roots of being a people of prayer, of being a people of fasting, that those convictions are going to start coming back. Right. And, and I'm not saying that um, if you don't pray, you don't have convictions. I'm saying if you don't pray, you won't be sensitive to the convicting power right. of the Holy Ghost. Right. And I think that if we can get our young people praying and fasting and, and get them to understand the purpose of consecration. Now, we're not here just for rules and just for laws. Right. We're here because we are trying to get closer to the one true God. Right. And this is how he has told us to do it. And if we can get our young people praying and fasting and understand the purpose of consecration, it'll take care of itself. Right, right. Bible says these things come through prayer and fasting. Oh, That's oh, awesome. Yes, sir. That's awesome. Man, we have just loved having you. This is awesome. It's, honor. it's great for you being our first video interview. So we've yes, loved sir. it. Yes, sir. Uh, again, this is Brother Jordan Fry, the Indiana District Apostolic Crusaders Youth Secretary. He just preached our Section 5 Youth Rally and did a fantastic job. I love this man. I'm He's sure a great that. friend to me. And I'm just, it makes you feel good whenever. You're a young man, and you feel that passion that you're not alone. Yes, sir. And that there's other people that are picking up the mantle, too. And it's just great. And thank you for being in this interview. Man, thank you so much. It's been an honor. All right. Thank you. What a great conversation between David and Jordan Fry, two young men that are passionate about the things of God. It is great to see young men take on the torch of leadership and also be a minister of the gospel. Thank you for being with us on Kingdom Link. Kingdom Link is a podcast that is about connecting generational leaders, and we encourage you to join us each first and third Thursday of the month when we put out a new podcast. We would really appreciate any reviews that you would give us, uh, share uh, this podcast on social media, and we look forward to bringing, again, more content, more interviews about leadership and connecting generations together. Here at Kingdom Link, we believe leadership only matters if it is passed on. <laughs>